Here at Doxaday Bloom, we are excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope that you enjoy today's message. So we're diving in to week number two of our series called Traveling Light. And the heart behind this whole series is that we would get rid of all unwanted baggage. So I am the designated packer in our house. And any unwanted stuff that does not fit into the car will be left behind. Anybody, families like that, know, know how the thing works? My wife has been really busy taking Donnie's word of last week to heart. Um, letting go of stuff. I cannot tell you how much stuff she's thrown away since we've been moving down to Durban. And just by the way, I want to say she sends her love and everything is going well and the kids and everybody is safe down there. So we're very thankful and thank you for everybody's prayers and following the journey towards Durban from our side. Now, last week, as I've mentioned, Donnie spoke about letting go of stuff. And this week, we're going to dive into another thing that we many times weigh ourselves down with, and it's called distractions. So letting go of some distractions. You might be surprised getting to know how many distractions you actually wear and put inside of your bag every day. But um, the thing is, if you are struggling to focus in life, and all the stuff of life is dragging you down, and you're getting overwhelmed by all of those distractions today is for you. And we're going to see how Jesus sets us free from the drag of distraction. Now, I thought it best to maybe start off today by sharing a little bit of um, stats regarding distractions. So quickly turn to the person next to you and tell them, you can quickly guess, what's the number one reason why people get distracted? What's the number one thing in life that distracts people at this day and age? Quickly turn to the person next to you and tell them. Okay, I can see some, some serious conversations going. Okay, so let me, let, me, let me tell you guys. So at number four, it's social media. Okay, you thought it would be higher, but it's, it's number four, but it's still top four. Number three, can you believe this? Gossip. Yeah, it's God. You know, you know what gossip is like at work. It's like, okay, that, that's it. Speaking about other people's stuff. Okay, number two is Google. <laughs> Basically, the internet. I'll just quickly Google it. That's the number two thing that occupies people and gets them distracted in life. And number one, give me, give me, give me a roll. Is my cell phone. Anybody guess cell phone? Quickly put up your hand. Let me just see who's the wise people. Okay. So you got that one right. Then I got another interesting one, but I know this can divide a room. So <clears throat> who is more prone to being distracted? Ladies or men? If you say men, Quickly put up your hand. Okay. If you say ladies, quickly put up your hand. It's basically a divided room. So can I let you guys know what the Harvard Business Study 
let us know about it. They said it's clear that women, if you said women, are more distracted and prone to distraction than men. But what they also found in the study is that women were also way more honest about the fact that they are more distracted than men. So you can make up your mind whether it's a 50-50, but I'm just putting it out there, okay? So in any case, today, as I said, we're going to discover how to live free from distraction because distraction steals from us, guys. And I want, you to, I want you to know this. If the enemy cannot destroy you, he wants to distract you. He wants to get you busy with other stuff the whole time. And it steals from you. It steals from your most valuable commodity that you have in life, time. You can never make more time. You only have 24 hours. We all have it. You can make more money, but you can't make more time. So, distraction-free living. And we're going to do that by looking at three things. Firstly, how do we diminish our distractions in our life? Secondly, how do we focus on what's really important? What does that look like? And then lastly, and that's the key, I'm going to leave it to lastly. I'm not going to say. So number one, how do we diminish distractions? In 1 Corinthians 7 verse 35, it says the following. It says, I'm saying this for your benefit. Not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best. With as few distractions as possible. And here, Paul makes it very clear to the church in Corinth. And he says, guys, as a follower of Jesus, I want to urge you. I want to encourage you. I want to ask you, serve God as best as you can. And how do you do that? with as few distractions as possible. So he talks about a razor-sharp, focused life on serving the purposes of God in your life. And many times we struggle to do that because we carry baggage called distractions. And we carry that for far too long. So let me use an example quickly. Let's use our number one distraction. Because for some people it's the father, the son, and the phone. Oh, wow. Yes, nice Instagram. Okay, anyway, sorry. So, <clears throat> for some of us, it's this baby. You guys get what I was doing there now. Mm. Okay, let me quickly tell you guys some stats on the phone. So, firstly, on average, people pick up their phones every 12 minutes of the day. Every 12 minutes, on average. Secondly, an average person spends... Two hours per day scrolling down social media, clicking, doing something. Not, not meaningful things, like just scrolling, just searching on your phone. Average two hours. I'm not talking about listening to a podcast or something like that or calling someone. I'm just talking about mindless scrolling. Two hours on average. So not counting YouTube, news, emails, text, games, even Netflix binging that you might be doing on your phone, not counting any of those things, that leads up to an average you spending seven years of your life just scrolling, mindlessly scrolling and texting. How crazy is that not? Okay, so I think you do have something way more meaningful to do with those seven years. You're hoping for a dopamine hit, and you're clicking, and you're getting left behind the whole time. So how do we diminish our distractions? How do we deal with the phone? 
Well, I want to make it as practical as I can, but I believe the way to go is to handle distractions the same way we would handle temptations. Because that's actually all that it is. And this is how Solomon guides us into this. He says it so beautifully. Proverbs 5 verse 8 says, Stay away from the iPhone. Just like my version for for today. (laughs) Don't even go near the door (laughs) of her house. Because she's going to get you. So what he's saying is something that I believe the world many times call weakness. God calls wisdom. And what it is is the following. Why resist the temptation tomorrow when you have the power to eliminate it today? And that's the key, guys. If you're going to allow distractions to rule over your life, You're going to end up isolated and all alone. And you're going to realize I'm wasting so much of my life. And I'm just using one little example like this. So I want to give you some action steps on how can you beforehand, how can you apply wisdom? Let's just use the phone for a moment. And the only reason why I'm doing that is because I believe it's probably the number one distraction for most of us sitting here, if not for everyone in this room. So for some of us, this is, this is your point. This is what you need to hear today. This is the one thing that you need to take home. You're going to diminish some distraction. And when it comes to your phone specifically, you're going to take some action steps. You need to cancel Netflix. Maybe you need to do that after you move from here because it's stealing from you from real rest. Maybe today you need to turn off notifications on your phone. Or maybe you need to delete some distracting apps like Instagram or Facebook or whatever it may be. Because those things has gotten you captive. You're holding on to them. Maybe you need to do what one of the families did that I know well of. And I'm just, by the way, when I'm speaking about this today, guys, I'm speaking to myself (laughs) as well. (laughs) So I'm not just preaching like I'm there. But I thought this was such an amazing idea. They had a no-phone zone from 6 to 6 every day, 6 at night till 6 in the morning. All the phones get put into a little bucket so that they can have quality time around the table. They can have quality time when they're going to bed, spend time with God, and live life together. Be present in the moment, not be distracted the whole time. And maybe today... It's the day that you need to do the no-phone zone. Say, guys, no longer will this intrude. I know one of the things that I did at a certain stage is I decided I'm going to only have three times in the day that I'm going to look at my phone and answer WhatsApps and information coming my way in the morning and then when I'm doing lunch and then at night again. But I'm not going to answer every single WhatsApp that's coming in or checking it out or looking at it. It just helped me to focus and not to live Distracted. So that's a very practical thing that we can do today. Number two, there is this emphasis for us to be focused on what is important. So not just only getting rid of distractions, so that's the one side, but the other side is then actually focusing on what is important, what sets us free. Puts it like this, Proverbs 4.25 says, Set your gaze on the path before you, with fixed purpose, looking straight ahead, Ignore life's distractions. Do not get distracted. Focus. Focus your gaze on what's before you. Focus on the important things in life. And now I know when I'm saying this, there are people sitting here in front of me telling me, Lorraine, you don't know my life. 
You have no idea how rough my life is at the moment. I'm actually going through the greatest storm in my life. I'm not struggling with comforts. I'm struggling with storms. It is crazy. You have no idea. And this is kind of like my coping mechanism or even beyond that, I'm just over-focused on the storm. So I'm great that you're here today because there's actually a beautiful story about a guy who was exactly in that same space. And his name was Peter. And uh, he was caught up in a storm. And um, he had the capacity to rise above that storm because of this one big truth. He focused and he put his gaze on the one thing that is important. So the story goes as follows. Jesus finished feeding the 5,000 and he was on his way to the other side again. And he sent his disciples through and on their way there, there was a major storm raging on the sea. Now, I quickly want to give you guys some context because we have heard the story so many times that we don't really think about it. But I want you to think about this for a moment. These are not any kind of guys that's going over. They are hardened, experienced fishermen. They know how to handle a storm. Okay, so you would have had a serious storm going to get these guys scared. And they were fearing for their lives. So this wasn't just a dinky toy storm. This was like next level. I mean, the only thing Peter could be thinking of and all the disciples in that boat was like, I'm going to die now. It's done. My life is over. It's over. And I, and I mean, when the fishermen on the boat start saying it's over, then you know it's over. And in the middle of that crisis, or you may be in that space where you're in a storm and you're thinking, it's over. You've gone to the experts and they say, it's over. And you're in the middle of that great storm. And in that storm, Jesus rocks up. He does a miracle. He walks on water. You know Jesus, he's, he's just cool like that. You know, he's going to go to the other side. He takes a direct road, just like straight walks on water. It's not even going to go around. It's just like walk straight. And while he's on his way there, the disciples, some of them, I believe, probably thought Jesus, I mean, we're already dead. Here comes the ghost. We're going to heaven now. It's over. <laughs> That's where the guys are sitting. And it's in that moment when Peter sees something that gets him to rise above that storm. He sees in Jesus. He sees something greater. He's focused on something far more important than the storm that he lives in. I want to encourage you. That storm is going to be the thing that gets you through it. Now, I didn't plan on saying this, but I'm going to say it in any case. You know that in Ephesians, Paul calls us to be rooted and to be grounded in the love of God. I want you to think about this. If you want to know what's the most important thing to focus on in life, to set your gaze upon, razor sharply, never get distracted from that, it is the love of the Father, that He loves you. That's it. And He says through faith, through trusting how God revealed His love, that's Jesus. You will be rooted and you will be grounded in His love. Now, I want you to think about this. What does a root do? Root draws nourishment from the ground for that tree to live. God says, guys, this is how you ought to live. I want you to draw nourishment 
from knowing that God loves you. How do you do that? You look at how much he loves you. You, you fix your gaze upon the fact that God loves you. You know, so many times I hear people speak about God and it's like this terrible, angry father that just hates me and he, he must be very disappointed with me. Guys, you have a very skewed picture of who God is. God describes himself as being loved. You need to root yourself in that. And that's the reason why I'm telling this story because you're not just rooted, you're also grounded in his love. And if you're grounded in something, it means it talks about your foundation. It talks about the thing that keeps you standing upright, that no matter what storm comes its way, that tree will stand. Gives you the ability to walk on water because you're looking at the one thing that really matters. The love of God for you. You know what's funny about that scripture? Because right after that, Paul goes on and he says, guys, I pray that you would have the strength to comprehend the magnificence, the, magnificence, the grandeur, the, the power, the height, the depth, the length, the breadth of the love of God. And I find it interesting that he's praying that we would have the strength to comprehend that. He doesn't pray that we would have the strength to love God. <laughs> Do you see? It's big. It's a big moment. Be rooted and grounded. Be focused on what really matters. And you might just walk on water. And that brings me to point number three today. If you want to live a distraction-free life, you need to open up your ears. So put those things away. Recognize what is the most important thing in life. Focus on that. And then listen to it. That's it. Number three, listen to the voice of God. Listen to what he has to say over your life. You know, there's this powerful story in um, Luke chapter 10. It's a story about two women, Martha Mary. Goes as follow. Jesus and his disciples were on their way, and they came to the village where these women were. Martha opened a home to him. And then she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he had to say. But Martha, Martha was distracted by all of the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. I find this so interesting in this portion of scripture. It's usually when I speak to people that are distracted in life, that really wants to tell God exactly what he needs to be doing. I'm like very busy. I have this crisis in my life, Lorraine. God needs to. I'm not focused on the fact that I'm not driven by and guided by his love for me. I'm distracted. I'm distracted. So I tell him what to do. And then Jesus answers. And I love the way he does this. Listen to this. He says, Martha, Martha. Now whenever you read a name being mentioned twice, in the Bible. It's like emphasizing, but what it's emphasizing is it's emphasizing a personal, emotional involvement with the person that he's engaging. So Jesus is not like, oh, Martha, you terrible person. What, what, what. He's like, he really can see that she's troubled. She's struggling. And he's emotionally engaging with this. And he's with her in this moment. And what does he say to her? He says, the Lord answered the following you are worried and upset about many things. 
So he's talking about all those distractions that's keeping you busy and keeping you going in life. But few things are needed. Then listen to this. For indeed only one. Everybody say only one. Only one. I want you to hear what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying only one thing is needed. All those other things, they're good. You can, you can enjoy them. It's like when you, your kid asks you for stuff, they always have wants. But you know what they need. And that's what Jesus is saying. He says there's only one thing that the human race needs. One thing is needed. All the other stuff is great. It's wants. But you need one thing. And what is it? Well, Mary has chosen it. She's chosen what is better. And it will not be taken from her. What's the one thing that you need? You need to be with him. That's the one place. You live from that space. That's the place where you go to to be nourished, where you go to to be grounded. In fact, so many times when it comes to distractions, we think the, the difficult choices is making the choice between what's good and what's bad. And that's the easy choice. We many times can see that. The difficult choice is making the choice between what's good and what's actually better. Or in this case, I want to say, between making the choice between good and God. That's what he's opening up here. He's saying, guys, the one thing that you need is me. That's it. You need me. And you need to be sitting with me. If you are with me, all the other things will fall in line. And you will feel great freedom. No more worry. No more stress. No more unwanted burdens. No more distractions coming your way. No more numbing and not being present in this world and enjoying the beautiful gift of the present that I've given you. That's why it's called a present, just by the way. But I want to bless you, and I want to be there with you. And the only way you can be there is when you're with me. So I just want to say this. Martha was not doing anything bad. She was actually doing good things. But they weren't the best. They were not the place that she would draw from and live from and just by the way <laughs> i know there's a mary club out there and we you know the marys they never bake the food they never run the house it's like the hashtag do something mary crowd like just do something and so and so forth hopefully out of the place when your journey with god flows amazing creativity and action and ruling but the one thing you need is that so why is this the best? Because I believe if I leave you guys here, and this is the last thing that I have on my heart, I can leave you here and you think the best means a religious activity of sitting down, reading your Bible, and praying. And there is nothing appealing to that for many people, especially if it's just a religious activity, which it's not. That's not the best. The best is not a religious activity. The best is spending time in the presence of a person. His name is Jesus. And why would I spend time with him? Why? What would motivate me to do this? Here is it. You are favored by him. He loves you. You are highly favored by him. And I know when I say favor, it sounds like religious language. And it goes like this. Okay, cool, pastor, I'm favored. Like, uh, walking out of here, chill, favor. Okay, I want you to think about this. People that you favor, 
You look favorably towards them. How do you think about them? How do you act around them? I mean, you go the extra mile. You always pay attention to exactly what they need and where they are and how busy they are and what's the next thing that you need. Am I correct when I'm saying this? Especially when you favor someone or when someone favors you. It's nice to be favored by someone else because they always think about you and they go the extra mile for you. Now, guys, I want you to hear this. God favors you. He thinks. He goes the extra mile. He actually went way beyond the extra mile when he was thinking about you and blessing you. So to being in his presence is a favorable position. It's a blessing beyond the greatest levels of blessing that you can imagine. That's how Jesus sets us free from distractions, keeping us away from his love. As he comes, he chases you down. And he says, you are mine. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for unburdening us from all kinds of worries, all kinds of comforts in this world that so quickly bends our willpower to wherever it wants us to go. But that we can be captivated by your love, that our hearts can be held captive by the real, genuine, honest, true love that you have for us. I want to pray that where people have been running to all kinds of numbing distractions, no matter what they would be, whether it's fear, whether it's comforts of this world, Holy Spirit, you are the one that makes this love real. I want to pray that you would arrest our hearts, open it up, that we would be set free. For wherever there is perfect love, there can be no fear. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all say, Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.